Peace is more than the absence of worry. It's the creation of safe havens for all. It's the building of security for everyone. It is the forgiveness of self, as well as one who would harm you. Let us seek contentment. Let us seek peace. Peace is more than the absence of discordance. It's the intent listening to diverse points of view. It's the intentional speaking of all voices, one at a time. It is the tension within silence that welcomes all thoughts. Let us seek harmony. Let us learn peace. Peace is more than the absence of tension. It is studying the hard lesson of letting go. It is breathing through pain into tranquility. It is forming friendship out of enmity. Let us seek serenity. Let us learn peace. Peace is much more than the absence of war. It's observing the promised truce when anger would say no. It's finding the just compromise when the ego would say, do it my way. It is striving for reconciliation when the heart would say revenge. Let us seek amity for all the earth. Let us learn peace. These opening words, based on some by the Unitarian Universalist Minister Annie Forster, they welcome all those who are gathered here on Zoom this morning to take part in our Sunday service. Welcome to regular members of the congregation, to friends and visitors who are with us today. Special welcome to Brighton Unitarians who are here in numbers. Also welcome to those who might be listening in via the podcast or watching on our YouTube channel later in the week. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jane Blackall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. If anyone's here for the first time today, especially glad to have you with us. Uh, you're really welcome. Hope you find something of what you need in our gathering this morning. Feel free to hang around afterwards for a chat or drop us an email to say hello if you'd like. 
we might try coming to one of our other activities. We've got lots of small groups that go on during the week. If you're a regular here, thanks for all you do to welcome all who come. Even while we're on Zoom, we've each got a part to play in co-creating this community and this sacred space. As we always say, feel free to do what you need to do to be comfortable this hour. Uh, it's lovely to see your faces, but it's fine to keep your camera off. There'll be opportunities to join in, but they are invitations, not obligations. It is fine to lurk. You have our blessing. This morning's service was inspired by a quotation from the lifelong peace and justice activist Dorothy Day. We're going to hear a lot more about her later on in the service. But the quote we're reflecting on is this. People want peace but not the things that make for peace. People want peace, but not the things that make for peace. It's quite challenging words, perhaps, and we're going to spend a fair bit of time reflecting on them this morning together. But before we go any further, I'm going to do what we always do when we gather, and that's to light our chalice. It's a simple ritual that connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, and which reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. Out of the flames of fear and uncertainty, we rise with courage of our deepest convictions to stand for justice, inclusion and peace. Out of the flames of rigour and scrutiny, we rise to proclaim our transformative faith with hope to heal a fractured and hurting world. Out of the flames of doubt and confusion, we rise to embrace the mystery and wonder of all that is and all that is still yet to be. Out of the flames of hate and injustice, we rise with the irresistible force of love, a love that celebrates our shared humanity. Out of the flames, we rise together. Let's take all those joys and concerns we've heard expressed and those that are held silently and take them into a time of prayer and reflection now. You might want to get comfortable, you might want to adjust your position, close your eyes or soften your gaze. Perhaps there's a posture that helps you feel more prayerful, whatever works for you, whatever helps you get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together, to be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves each other and that which is within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is, we tune in to your holy presence, the light within and without. Be with us as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and stillness at the very centre of our being. May we this day be grateful for the gift of life which is ours. Remembering that today and always, the precious life we have and hold is to us a mystery. May we this day be reminded of the responsibilities we carry. Not so that we may be intimidated or overwhelmed, but so that we may be true to them. So that we may be faithful in carrying them forward. May we this day maintain a sense of perspective, remembering who we are, engaging the tasks at hand, but understanding our limitations, our own shortcomings, forgiving ourselves and others when we fall short of perfection. 
May we this day be inspired, be filled with new breath, filled with new enthusiasm, ready to see fresh opportunities, new perspectives, unnoticed avenues for fruitful action and re resolution. And may we this day remember those virtues that bless our lives and bless the lives of others. The virtues of caring and concern. The virtues of truthfulness and respect. The virtues of charity, good work and patience. Remembering that this world may be made a little more fair, more just, more equitable even by our humble efforts. In our company this morning and every time we gather in community, there will be those whose hearts are freshly broken open by all the world's suffering, by loss and grief, rejection or loneliness, disappointment and meaninglessness by all the horrors and injustices of this world. And we might especially think of Ukraine today. So let us spend a quiet moment or two directing our prayers of loving kindness to where they are most needed. In our company this morning and every time we gather in community, there will be those whose hearts are full and overflowing despite everything. Buoyed by the beauty of nature and culture, comforted and uplifted by family and friends. So let us spend another quiet moment directing our prayers of thanks for all that is still good in our lives. In our company this morning and every time we gather in community, there will be those who are simply keeping on, keeping on as best they can. Their hearts a blessed, messy blend of all life's mixed emotions in the midst of it all. So let us spend a quiet moment asking for what we need to face life's ups and downs. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer comes to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time for us to sing together. Uh, our first hymn speaks of our human interdependence, the way in which our individual choices can impact others all around the globe for good or ill. It's titled Our World is One World. And the words will be on screen so you can sing along at home if you like. It's fine if you just want to listen. Either way, we will do our best to keep you all safely muted.
So as I mentioned at the start of today's service, it's inspired from this by this quote from Dorothy Day, people want peace, but not the things that make for peace. And I thought it would be inspiring, uh, especially in the week of International Women's Day, which is coming up this Tuesday. I thought it'd be inspiring to lift up the story of this remarkable woman as an example to us all. Dorothy Day was a radical activist for peace and justice, an American Catholic born in 1897 and died in 1980. And there was a campaign for her to be canonized, made a saint, which has been officially recognized by the Catholic Church. So she's now officially known as a servant of God. Um, I want to share with you some excerpts uh, of a, an article about the life of Dorothy Day by Sister Joan Chittister from this book, uh, A Passion for Life, Fragments of the Face of God. Uh, in this book, she identifies some unofficial saints, people of integrity and holiness, as she calls them. Chittister says, in their eyes burn the eyes of a God who sees injustice and decries it, sees poverty and condemns it, sees inequality and refuses it sees wrong and demands it be set right. These are people for whom the law, the capital L, above the law, is first in their lives. And one of these is Dorothy Day. I just wanted to show you a couple of images of her. Let me get that on screen. Seen in use and in old age. I think sometimes when we think of people who have lived great and admirable lives, we tend to imagine them just as the finished article. Um, and perhaps that makes it harder for us to take note of their example as something that has relevance for our own lives and how we live them. The young woman we see pictured here was already making courageous choices and living with integrity and holiness. And here from that book is the modern icon of Dorothy Day, painted by Robert Lentz, who illustrated this book with lots of other amazing paintings. So the excerpt I'm going to share with you from that book is a bit longer than our usual readings because it's kind of a life story. I reckon it's about six minutes worth. So settle in. It is a good tale. Joan Chittister writes. The thing I've always liked about Dorothy Day is that she was one of the people she dedicated her life to serving. She was not some uptown philanthropist. She was not a nun looking for good work to do. She was not a government bureaucrat distributing money before getting the commuter train to Long Island. She was the real thing. She was an unwed mother, a dissolution citizen, a poor woman, a disaffected churchgoer, an unemployed observer of the human race. She'd lived in a tenement of which, as a child, she'd been ashamed. She'd worked hard to earn nothing and lived in a cheap, vermin-ridden apartment because she couldn't afford anything else. But for the grace of God, Dorothy Day herself could easily have been the bag lady of the world par excellence. She dropped out of everything worth belonging to if what you are about in life is credentials. She dropped out of her family. She dropped out of college. She dropped out of capitalism. She dropped out of churches. She dropped out of marriage. She dropped out of the system. She dropped out of a world marked by all the niceties that finishing schools could provide. Dorothy Day lived in a world of her own. She understood life, she said, out of experience. She said, I see only too clearly how bad people are. It's my own sins that give me such clarity. But if Dorothy Day is a model of anything at all, it is certainly the fact that life is not over till it's over. What Dorothy Day raised out of the ashes of her life is a monument to living. It was her conversion to Catholicism, the church of the poor Christ who came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The church of the immigrants, the outcasts, the marginalised, this is what gave her the greatest clarity of all. The fact is, as much as she believed in them, all of her various causes ultimately failed her. The rise of a new social order in communism inspired her to hope for a better world, but it did not feed her spirit, and in her time it betrayed its own best ideals. A commitment to the elimination of poverty was important, but ran aground on the survival of the fittest philosophy of capitalism, and gave no insight into the way to deal with those poor for whom rugged individualism was not an answer. Social revolution was a worthy aim, but all too often ended in a violence that she had always found suspect. Only when she found the church of the poor did the vision eventually clear for her. And Dorothy Day wrote, people want peace, but not the things that make for peace. People want peace, but not the things that make for peace. For Dorothy, the things that made for peace 
for the daily, unstinting, unlimited works of mercy. She listed them in a 1949 article and then made them the centerpiece of her life. She said, the spiritual works of mercy are to admonish the sinner, to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to comfort the sorrowful, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive all injuries and to pray for the living and the dead. The corporal works are to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to ransom the captive, to harbour the harbourless, to visit the sick and to bury the dead. It was a clear programme and she followed it until the day she died. One time she began publishing The Catholic Worker, a penny newspaper to admonish and instruct and counsel and comfort people everywhere who, like her, could not make sense out of a world that called itself Christian but had gone officially mad, grinding people under hill in the name of private enterprise, destroying nations in the name of liberating them, enslaving people in the name of human rights. She organised soup kitchens, she began hospitality houses, she was jailed for her part in a suffragette demonstration and participated in a gruelling hunger strike to break the resistance of society to the demands of women. In the end, Dorothy Day was herald to the church, herald to the state and herald to the poor. And she didn't do it by converting others. She did it by changing her own small corner of the world. She was still going to jail at the age of 75. She was still witnessing to a personal poverty that had confronted the systemic sin of exploitation by living simply so that others can simply live. She was still answering the letters of people who preferred a less public display of belief, a more antiseptic religion. She wrote, if we're not being persecuted for our beliefs and life, there is something wrong with us. Indeed, everything that people didn't like about her, she ended up being proved right about. The temptation, of course, is to mourn the loss of a leader in a time that cries for leadership. The difference here, however, may be that what Dorothy Day led was a revolution of attitudes and a revolution of personal responsibility. She's the icon of a kind of leader that everyone else, anyone else, can be, not by changing other people, but by changing themselves. We've now come to a time of meditation. This week, our words for meditation will be the famous peace prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, make me a channel of your peace. These words will be followed by a few minutes of shared stillness during which we'll have our virtual chalice on screen. The silence will end with some gentle jazzy music from Abbey, Georgia and Toby. So let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable, adjust your position if you need to, perhaps put your feet flat on the floor, steady yourself and you might like to close your eyes. See what these traditional words of St. Francis invoke, evoke in you and what they might inspire in your own life. As we always say, these words, images and music are just an offering and feel free to meditate in your own way. God, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred, I may sow love. Where there is wrong, the spirit of forgiveness. Where there is discord, harmony. Where there is error, truth. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there are shadows, light. Where there is sadness, joy. God grant that I may not so much seek to be comforted as to comfort. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal 
life. God, make me a channel of thy peace.
People want peace, as Dorothy Day said. So far, so uncontroversial. Surely most of us do indeed long for peace. Though in ordinary times, perhaps most of us don't spend that much of our time actively thinking about it. But it seems we're living through fairly extraordinary times right now. The unfolding events in Ukraine and their global ramifications are front and centre in the news and in the minds and hearts of many of us. I was over at the church in Kensington on Friday and I saw that people protesting the invasion had tied hundreds of sunflowers to the barriers outside the Russian embassy. So I was moved to bring some sunflowers to our service today as a sign of solidarity. In the last week or so, I have heard from many people expressing a sense of being overwhelmed with distress at the news coming out of Ukraine and anxiety about how events might yet escalate. More than that, there's a kind of anguished impotence in the face of it all, a sense that beyond perhaps donating to the Disasters Emergency Committee or the Red Cross, there's not much we can do. We might show up at a protest or a vigil and that's great. We might express our outrage with friends or somehow online, but in the face of unilateral aggression on this scale, aggression that's resisted all diplomatic attempts to avert it, we might well feel helpless and hopeless. In this situation, it feels like peace is out of our hands. People want peace, said Dorothy Day, but not the things that make for peace. That's pretty challenging. What did she mean? The way I understand it, my best guess at least, is to say that the conditions for peace, not just peace between warring nations, but peace in every dimension of human existence, every scale, peace is dependent on a whole lot of groundwork. And this groundwork is taking place all over the planet every single day of our lives, and it needs us all to get stuck in. There might not be much that you or I can do to directly influence what's happening in Ukraine today, but there's plenty we could do just where we are, to play our part and to help nudge the unfolding human story towards greater peace and justice for the sake of future generations. Dorothy Day said that the things that make for peace were daily, unstinting, unlimited works of mercy, to admonish the sinner, to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to comfort the sorrowful, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive all injuries, to pray for the living and the dead, the corporal works to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to ransom the captive, to harbour the harbourless, to visit the sick and bury the dead. Now the words that Dorothy Day used might not be the language that you or I would naturally use today, but it's a powerful and demanding rule of life that she prescribes for the peacemaker. For her, the groundwork of peace consists of acts of mercy, meeting the needs of the worst off, the poor, the marginalised, the oppressed, and also bold acts of resistance and revolt against the injustices which made the people poor, marginalised and oppressed in the first place. It might come relatively easy to us to comfort the sorrowful or visit the sick. Perhaps we don't feed the hungry or clothe the naked with our own hands or harbour the harbourless in our own homes, although I do know plenty of Unitarians and others who, who do engage firsthand in these good works. But I know many of us would support charities who do this vital work on our behalf, at least. Dorothy Day's life is a pretty hardcore example of what it means to truly live as a peacemaker. But still, I guess we'd nod along with her advice so far. But what about admonishing the sinner and instructing the ignorant? These phrases might be a little bit more jarring to modern Unitarian ears. But I'd still argue we should embrace the spirit of them both. We need to attend to our moral compass in all spheres of our lives and in the life of the world we share. And when we discern that things are morally wrong, when people or institutions are behaving unjustly, causing harm to others, whether that's out of malice or ignorance, we need to call them on it. Even if our chances of righting that wrong or changing that behaviour seem slim, there is value in speaking up testifying to what is right, if only because of the influence we might indirectly exert on others. When we voice that this is not right, it doesn't have to be this way. Another world is possible. We really need to name what's going on in front of us as we see it and speak our truth out loud, even if we don't go as far as publishing a newspaper to admonish and instruct in the way that Dorothy Day did. 
and I'm not just thinking about, I'm not even especially thinking about large-scale geopolitical rights and wrongs here. I'm thinking of all the many little injustices we might witness every day, harmful behaviours we encounter, including ones we might be tempted to just shrug sadly about for a quiet life, rather than risking difficult conversations and confrontations. I'm thinking about scrutinising all the ways we've always done things in society and asking hard questions about what we might need to change, perhaps change pretty radically for the sake of the common good. And doing this at all scales of our lives, in our personal relationships, our communities, our society, truly seeking peace and justice, because we can't truly have one without the other. What power, privilege or resources might we need to give up or redistribute and share more equitably to make peace a reality for future generations. This is tough stuff. No wonder, as Dorothy Day said, people don't want the things that make for peace. That might not seem entirely obvious how this approach connects with our feelings and concerns about what's going on in Ukraine, say, or many or any of the other relentless horrors that we witness in our world day in and day out. And as laudable as our little actions for peace in our own local community might be, we might feel they don't count for much given the scale and complexity of what we're up against planet-wide. But just yesterday, a friend of mine shared a quote on this matter, and it was one I found helpful and hopeful, so I want to share it with you today. It's by Ursula Wolf-Rocker, an educator and activist who simply wrote, it can be overwhelming to witness, experience and take in all the injustices of the moment. The good news is they're all connected. So if your little corner of work involves pulling on one of the threads, you're helping to unravel the whole damn cloth. Let's take heart from that image perhaps. Let's pull on whatever threads are within our reach. Let's each do our own little bit to unravel the whole damn cloth of injustice and usher in the reign of peace that is our heart's desire. For the whole world needs each and every one of us to play our part as peacemakers in whatever little way we can. So to close, peacemakers, I offer you each a blessing for peace with these words adapted from some by Maureen Kaloran. As we are confronted by upheaval and chaos, may we have the wisdom to believe in peace. Surrounded by voices of discord and disagreement, may we have the audacity to speak up for peace. Lured by the seduction of despair and resignation, may we have the courage to maintain a vision of peace. And may we each use our gifts in the service of love justice and peace for the greater good of all. Amen. Just time for one more hymn now. Uh, rather stirring, one of my favourites, We'll Build a Land. It speaks of a world transformed, a realm of love, justice and peace that we might yet live to see realised. As always, feel free to sing along or just listen as you'd rather.
just a few announcements for you now. Uh, thanks to Abby and Georgia and Toby for our lovely music, to Maria for leading our meditation and to John for co-hosting today. And um, we're going to have virtual coffee time after the service is used. Also, stay and chat if you like. If that's not your thing, as I said, do get in touch via email if you'd like to say hello or come to some of our other midweek events. And if you can bear to hang around, we'd like to take a group photo after the closing music. Our online programme continues. We're going to have coffee morning as usual at 10.30 on Tuesday. Liz is hosting that this week. We've still got a few spaces available for our heart and soul spiritual gatherings on Sunday and Friday at 7. This week, the theme is meeting. And even if you've never been before, it's not too late to start. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch during the week. Drop each other a line. Let's look out for each other as best we can. Next week, we'll be holding a hybrid service that should be proper hybrid. So people on Zoom can fully join in with candles of joy and concern in a live and interactive manner. Cross your fingers that the tech holds up. After the service, there'll be a special getting to know you walk led by David, which will include a visit to the statue of St. Volodymyr, where we will lay flowers in honour of the people of Ukraine. And you might want to save the date for the following hybrid service after that, which will be Easter Sunday, 17th of April. We're about to start training up all the extra tech hosts that we'll need. So the hope is that we'll be doing hybrid services twice a month from May and then we'll take it from there. If anyone here from the Kensington crew is technically adept with an ability to focus and attention to detail, and who can face the thought of getting up a little bit earlier on Sunday mornings to get to church. Um, if you might be willing and able to get trained and join our tech hosting team, do let us know. We really need you. Uh, and one more call for help. On the 27th of March, we'll be having a congregational service for Mother's Day. If you might want to say a few words as part of that service or perhaps write a longer reflection for it on the meaning of mothering in your life, please get in touch with me so we can have a chat about the ways in which you might contribute. We'll be taking the subject on in the broadest sense and acknowledging that our relationships with mothers and motherhood can be quite complicated. We won't be doing just the hallmark greeting card version. It'll be a much more nuanced version of Mother's Day and all it evokes in us. So get in touch if you'd like to be a part of that. I think that's everything. So we've just got our closing words and closing music. I invite you once again to select gallery view at that point so that we can get a sense of our gathering as we close. Every week we gather together to find peace here. Our words and music offer peace with the hope of instilling it in us. So now take the peace you found here and take it back out into the world with you. Renewed in our faith and inspired to act, let us be the peacemakers the world aches for. And by being peacemakers every day in the place where we find ourselves, let us find the peace that we long for too. Go in peace. Make peace. Be at peace. Amen. <laughs>